Hey, B. Hi. Oh, wow. This is an interesting getup you got here. A lot of sparkly bangle things, a little kind of head wrap thing. Yeah, very, don't you love it? Yeah, you're very Madame Zeroni, honestly. Mm, I dig it. Mm. Uh, what? What's? Uh, what? Why are you dressed like this, though? You and I have a meeting today. We do? Yeah, I'm the Long Island Medium. Oh, I... Oh, ri- what? Oh, I thought I was, had booked up with, uh, you know, the one on TLC. Nope. Long Island... Maine? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is a little bit disappointing, but that's fine. Uh, uh, What a crazy coincidence. Uh, Yeah. So um, here for a reading, you know, just trying to get a idea of uh, job prospects, you know, wealth, happiness, you know, your general, what is that? Soul checkup? Yeah. The general checkup? Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. So you're thinking more along the lines of, let's talk about job first, Uh right? Yeah. I'm seeing that... Your ideal job was in your past. Oh, was it? Yeah. Apparently it was back in Tacoma. Uh-huh. That's where you should have stayed. Under the bridge giving hand jobs for five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Homegrown Horror. Main spooky podcast about main spooky things, true crime, horror, cryptids, oops, all cryptids. Uh, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about an unsolved murder. Amazing. I'm be a co-host. I'm Jackson, a co-host. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. It was a long-ass week. Um... The highlight of which was, surprisingly, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people... I Do you typically like Valentine's Day? Typically, we don't really do much because, you know, we... I, we don't... Like, I we don't do flowers. We don't do... Like, we don't go buy candies. We don't do that sort of thing. We usually... Usually, it's dinner. But this time, we... Splurge on dinner and went to End to Tail, which nice. is Korean barbecue. Nice. I had Wagyu. I popped my Wagyu cherry. Hell yeah. <laughs> which is what Allegra said. <laughs> uh, pretty expensive, as you've mentioned. Yeah, but you yeah. know, if you like steak, sometimes it's worth breaking it's, the bank. <laughs> it's the experience that you're uh, after. You're very focused on experience uh, from, from as a person in general. I know you're always looking for like a cool thing to do or like uh, seeing a band live. So yes. I think it's I think it's when you're your wheelhouse to be like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. going to yep. go for that. Wagyu. I that. Yeah, I, I am definitely more of a. Experientially, I focused. am an experiential focused person. I mean, I, I own a lot of things, but. That is true. <laughs> you are I, also a little collector. As you're looking at my fucking shelf I'm, of I'm figures. literally staring at the wall of waifus. <laughs> Excuse me, there are some husbandos there, too. There are too. some husbandos up there, top. yeah, up top. You, well, probably because you couldn't put them anywhere else. Uh, no, they're gorgeous. <laughs> so, hard to say. How was your week? Good. I mean, generally fine, same. I'm not, uh, I'm not much for, like, doing anything too crazy on Valentine's. 
we did have our own little meal together because I knew I was going to be working on Valentine's. Um, mm-hmm. And we ended up going to Central Provisions. I had a gift card. Hell yeah. Being thrifty and going to a nice meal. Yeah. It was uh it was all right, you know. I mean, yeah, I don't really care too much about fine dining that much. I like I like a a place that just has good food. That's that's don't really care too much about atmosphere. I like Or like over the top service. I, say, I like going to a place where there's atmosphere, which is why I like doing things like well, I guess atmos- Japanese or Korean barbecue where it's like or hibachi. I, I, I guess dig that. I guess atmosphere is different. For everybody, and I was just yeah. thinking, well, I do like a, a dive bar aesthetic or like well, peanuts on the ground kind of thing. Like, that would, <laughs> I, kill, I, that would kill me. <laughs> but no, I totally get like, for example, like we used to go to Fat Boys in um, Brunswick. It's just a little, it's a drive-in burger joint. Sick. Fantastic food. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not the type of person where I'm like, it has to be like. No, but no, like, no, yeah. I do like a vibe. But the thing is like, I like vibes. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be aesthetically like one way or the other sure the vibes I, have to be there but yeah. vibes i like as long as it commits to whatever the vibe we went to so a lot of really cheap so, brunch places in new york that did not have like quote unquote like we went to mom's which has like a gay vibe mm-hmm. super nice and then we also went to like something uh it was like starlight and then there was another new york diner that we went to just you run of the mill New York diners and still had excellent food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if we're going I by, get you. If we're going by vibe, it's like, okay, agreeing that vibe is everything when it comes to dining. You say Margaritaville is uh, hitting the vibe. <laughs> if it's hitting the vibe that day, or if you want to go to Bubba Gump's, like, uh, here's a great example. The other day, we went out to Olive Garden. That hit my vibe that, that night. That hits the vibe. Okay. You okay. know, one night, well, I'm, one night I'm eating expensive Wagyu. The next, I'm eating breadsticks and f- f- all-you-can-eat salad. I was going to say, nothing wrong with the never-ending breadsticks, you know? It's like, waiter, just bring me the breadsticks. I will not be ordering I will not be else. ordering. I'm just eating your breadsticks. <laughs> Thank you. Here's a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... Well, yeah, the other thing that happened this week, um, my cat has finally stolen my ring. I don't know where it is. <gasps> oh, no, I didn't even notice. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I've worn the ring so long. I wear it every day. I take it off sometimes when I sleep. Um, and it, it's a ring I've had for about a year now. It's not expensive. No. Also. But, like, it is. I did like that. But it's it's a little, it becomes sentimental after a time. Well, I think the ring will show up at some point. It's just probably under something. It's like the <laughs> but kid. But he didn't eat it. I don't think, no, he didn't eat it. No. <laughs> he's, he's old enough to know this is not food. I, we would know if he ate it. Uh, he would not react well with that. Uh, I know he's not eating it or anything because I've seen him pick it up and like run off with it and start batting it around in the living room. Um, so I think it's probably just under a couch or something. I'll look oh. around for it. But I was like, I cannot find this ring. Sounds like a crime. <laughs> like today's topic. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the unfortunate disappearance and murder of Pamela Webb. Why are you doing this is This is your season of unsolved murders. Very specific too. There's cars involved. I don't know why I'm like getting into cars. I realized I... I don't when an ep, when an episode happens and I'm in charge of an episode. Basically, I'll fill my brain with all the information, uh, give it to you here on the air, and then I dump my brain once I 
cross the threshold of the studio. <laughs> so I kind of didn't really think about how similar this case was to the last one I did, which is the Shirley McAvoy case. Yeah. But there are some similarities to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a good time. But I think it's an interesting story um, because of kind of how it evolves a little bit over time as investigation keeps going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of poses an interesting question that we'll get to towards the end of this on whether or not having information earlier would have helped solve this case in any meaningful way. So with that, I'm buckling in, buckle in, put, did you put on your helmet too? (laughs) Sign this little waiver. (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. All right. Let the bad times roll. So Pamela Webb, um, is a citizen of Winthrop, Maine. Uh, Lives in a trailer, has been working 12 years at a digital entertainment company, as I recall. Uh, but she's a dedicated employee. She's also a um, devout Catholic and is very involved in her local church. Um, got to know a lot of people within her community. Was described as generally really friendly. Like, always willing to help somebody out. Did she light up a room? <laughs> No, that's what the, uh, that did that's not what come they up. Always they always say that. You're right. You're not lying. But they did not say that in any article that I okay. read, which I was kind of surprised. I was having that same thought. I was like, am I going to hear the sort of the same phrases? But yeah, very nice person, friendly to people, was always going out of her way to help people. Super when involved. Asked, you know, very involved. Okay. Did the Bible studies. She also did. Uh, she was a singer as well. She was in Coda oh. Chorus. Which I think is probably uh, church affiliated, so I'm not really sure what yeah. that is. Um, yeah, she was overall pretty pretty awesome and like had a pretty good life. Uh, she had siblings; her parents were nearby, so family was pretty close. Uh, she also had a pupper named Thumper. Thumper. <laughs> Thumper. <laughs> Pupper named Thumper. But Thumper is still very cute. Thumper is a very cute dog. I didn't find any details. I do see the similarities the between her and Shirley McAvoy. Yeah. One some... is, I think Shirley was a little bit more um, to herself, mm-hmm. but generally it's kind of eerie. It is a little eerie, and I mean. I, I forgot what the time period of the Shirley McAvoy case was. I bet I think it was, wasn't it 80s? I forgot. I believe so. I'm not kidding when I say I dump all the information <laughs> when I leave the room. <laughs> uh, Got to get through the day somehow. <laughs> so she, at 32 years old, she on July 1st had made her uh, decision to go see her boyfriend that was in Mason, New Hampshire. So she's driving from Winthrop to Mason. That's about a four hour journey. Because I think, uh, I forgot where Mason is, but if I was kind of similar to the trajectory of where they were looked that um, if it was going across the state, getting across Maine and New Hampshire, like just going west, yeah. takes forever because it's all back roads. Like yeah. if you're not going along the coast, everything's going to take hours just to get a little bit of distance. Yeah. Um, so it was a four hour drive. So she had a long way ahead of her. On the morning of July 2nd, 1989, around 7.30 a.m., state troopers found Pamela Webb's blue Chevy 1981 pickup truck that was stopped in a breakdown lane on the main turnpike in Biddeford. 
So we know no, this I know, turnpike. Yep, yeah. I know where this is. We know exactly where this is. If anybody's driven through Maine, they've probably driven through this area. And that's generally the, like, when I'm go, when I'm on the turnpike, I'm usually going into the Biddeford-Sanford area. Now, this is really weird as far as, like, well, not, like, some of the stuff that was left behind, but this is what was left behind. It's very eerie. Um, at the scene, Pamela's dog, Thumper, was in the car left by itself. Oh, uh, no. A Bible was left on the passenger seat, and... Uh, Pamela's purse was left undisturbed in the car as well. Only kind of ear, another eerie um, instance is that it was kind of clear what was happening. Sure, uh, Pamela had stopped along the side of the road and had gotten a flat. And she was leaning the spare against the car. And that tire was left against the car. Like it was just leaning. But there was no tire iron. There was no jack. But the troopers that were investigating the scene of this abandoned car found two bloodstains on the pavement near the vehicle. Wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a fun time, buddy. I wasn't kidding when the, this was... No. Yeah, this is pretty that's, disturbing. I, that's eerie. Yeah. I I often wonder... That's a busy area. I think, we, we, I mentioned it a little bit in the Sarah Cherry episode, you know, we were talking about, oh, you know, every, every, um, search dog has its first, you know, smell of a body kind of, but, and we, we briefly talked about, you know, people's first time coming on a scene like that. Mm-hmm. I'd quit. Yeah. I'd qu- I do not have it in me. I'd quit. As, as much as we rag on cops pretty consistently i'd fucking quit i'd it's, be like uh, no it's it's tough to see some of these scenes like when they're like this isn't there, explicit this yeah. is just eerie and then be like just super no. uncomfortable absolutely not i mean uh oh, imagining no. some of the things that people experience in their day-to-day yeah it's awful um another thing i would never do is a 911 resp- like a dispatcher fuck no I thought about it when I first got here because the pay looked really good, but I also was like, there some, I would probably not do well in a situation like there this. There are some podcasts that I've heard that, or like, you know, TV shows, they'll play the 911 calls. No. It sounds I, terrifying. I, there, I think last podcast on the left, like they did a couple 911, they did like a 911 call special where they like had like the most gruesome 911 calls. It was. Messed up. Yeah, and so I I very much appreciate when podcasters are like, there's a 911 call, I'm not playing it. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Okay, continue. It's a lot of emotion in this situation. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so an investigation began, and uh, among the clues as to where Pamela had gone was, or when she had disappeared, was a report from an Officer Haas that had seen the truck earlier that morning around 2.30. He had taken note of the vehicle, pulled over, investigated it, investigated the area, saw the tire and saw the situation, and then wrongfully assumed that the driver had walked away to go look for help. So he came across the scene, saw this, and didn't think to alert anybody, just assumed that it was... Did he not see the blood on the... I guess that early in the morning, you know, they wouldn't notice it very well. Maybe it just seemed kind of wet to him. Okay. Maybe he didn't shine his light right away at it and he okay. might have not noticed. 
He probably just saw the tire and then nothing else and was like, well, what there's no... What time was this again? That, that was 2.30 that the officer oh, saw. Oh, I was yeah. thinking it was like morning, like broad day. Oh, when no. you said morning, my brain was like, it's like 10 a.m. <laughs> Got you. Okay, I understand now. Yeah, I've so cleared the, up this those officers kind of called in the original like discovery uh, at 7.30. Okay. But this guy had uh, seen the area at 2.30. Understood. In this report. Pamela's boyfriend gave the information and then other people were also giving information like saying, yes, he was going over. Uh, she was going over to Mason, New Hampshire. Um, leads were followed up about like where along this route she could have been potentially abducted, where she might have like been sent uh, if she went towards Sebago Lake even um, or diverted somehow. Uh, they followed up with any suspicious characters the family might like know about and just said well maybe this person did it um it was unclear not, nothing was coming around the main state police were primarily focused on just this kind of immediate area within maine so they thought that this was foul play from the start well they saw the blood they and they, they prob i don't think they assumed anything like she was dead but they did i think assume that she was in danger it was okay. clear that something was off right okay. yeah um the family were terrified as they would rightfully be, um, coming to their own conclusions before, like anybody else, that she's clearly abducted, something's off. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of her disappearance, she had reported to be wearing a jean skirt and sneakers with white socks and green trim. Um, the family had like pleaded and in the news reports to say, like, to the abductor, please just let us know where she is or how her condition is a lot of calls came in at this um during the investigation to aid the officers over 60 different calls came in kind of giving some tips on where the uh, pamela's whereabouts might be even some psychics even called in which is interesting and i kind of wish they gave in more and i wanted to hear more about these psychics it's interesting (laughs) because i i know that you like prior to this podcast you haven't had a lot of um true crime experience Police use psychics in a lot in some cases, and families will use psychics. But has there ever the been one shocking... that's nailed it? That's the one I want to hear about is the psychic that nailed it. There have been a couple that are like eerie, but none have been like I don't think any have been like on the money. <laughs> Usually, well, some, some of them are like, like vague enough. Like yeah, I'm they're... sensing somewhere wet. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you'd ha- I'd have to look at specific cases, but I think it's always strange to me, or not strange, but like the thing that you you're like, oh no, is when the police calls in a psychic. Yeah, you're like, oh. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> it's no. like we're really just because I understand <laughs> families doing. I understand a family reaching out to a psychic because it's like, yeah, this this makes sense. Like, yeah. you're looking for closure, and that's what they are trying to get a lot of times. There, but I mean, but I think it's it's, it's good that people were calling in and trying to get any information yeah. or help. But in I any think way. it's there's a part of me that is very interested in the fact that they were like, and psychics called in, and they didn't. They didn't add, no, they did not elaborate within this article. And it's like, I don't know, maybe I kind of like to imagine the author of that article originally wrote up a whole detailed thing. And the editor was just like, we got to, no, we got to cut this. They're going over page length, buddy. (laughs) Information was sent uh, via APB across the country. Um, 
another note about all these calls that came in. One very uh, creepy instance. A woman called in and said that on her way in a, on a road near Freiburg, a man in truck had diverted her off the road and tried to get into her car and saying she had a flat. Um, I think she escaped somehow. Otherwise, I don't know if she would be making the call Sir. here. But that was There's a gotta very... There's got to be a better way. I wouldn't... Yeah. That was don't a very Don't trust weird... anyone trying to actively get into your vehicle. Oh, the other day I was at uh, the pet store. No. And, and I was... Stop. And a lady coming out of the bank next to the pet store grabbed my passenger handle and like pulled it a couple times. And I just kind of stared at her like, can I help you? <laughs> and she, she looked at me and was like, oh shit, and apologized and went to the car that was next to me. And I rolled my window down and I was like, you don't want to come home with me. <laughs> <laughs> one time, I think it was my grandmother one time she got into what she assumed was her car and then realized <laughs> something was wrong. And she's like, this is not my car. <laughs> Just an unlocked car. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, and it looked similar to hers. And she was like looking for something that like, sh- like her sunglasses or something. And she was like, oh, no. So she just got out, closed it. Just leave the scene immediately. <laughs> I could only imagine that person just coming back in is just like, why is my my sun blind open? Or like, why is my center console all screwed up? <laughs> um, yeah. It's a very eerie little call there. Maybe re- possibly, possibly related, related to this. I Who mean, knows? Biddeford and Freiburg are a yeah, what is that, like 45 but, minutes maybe? Yeah, but if somebody's like... An hour? If somebody's like looking, that... I mean, if, they have, if they're just like going across, trying to find whoever, and they're just sort of like, well, I guess I'm going to head this way. <laughs> I guess if you're just driving around trying to abduct people, you kind of just cast a wide net. But how weird would it be, though? If it was the same guy and he's telling this woman, oh, you have a flat and is like trying to get her to come out. And then he actually comes upon a woman with a flat. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, it's a little messed up the more you think about it. So let us move on. <laughs> uh, it's a bad time. So crickets for many days. No, none of the leads are really leading to... <laughs> None of the leads are bringing going, to giving going any anywhere. conclusions. They're not going anywhere um, until around July 18th, 1989, near a road stop along Old Route 3 in Franconia, New Hampshire, about 107 miles away from Biddeford. A group of construction workers were ending their shift around 5 p.m. and they noticed a terrible smell and it was no. a body. No. Pamela's remains were found at 5 p.m. and they were heavily decomposed. So she was definitely abducted. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Real bad. Um, I don't know if, like, no one knows, like, what might have happened between that 107 miles or just kind of, like, was she murdered at the scene or brought forward? The, the investigation went over the body. They couldn't identify it right away. Um I was going to describe the no, scene. I'm not going don't. to. But I assume that part of the reason why it's not immediately clear is the decomp. Yeah. I mean, the dental plate is what gave the positive confirmation. Um, yeah, that's yeah that that's that's part of the course. These the remains were just unidentifiable. They tried to 
determine a cause of death and they could not do it. Um, there was a bullet that was found near the scene of the crime, but it didn't seem like the police were confident it was related to the case. This is also a wooded area. Yeah. Yeah, people shoot guns out in the woods constantly, Hunters. so I'm not really surprised. Well, if you've, been, if you've been down some of the more rural roads sometimes, I mean, I see bullet holes and signs constantly. You yeah. Know, people just shooting, you know, stop signs or whatever. You need target practice. I guess, so why not shoot out of your car? I guess they pull uh, over, I hope right? you don't shoot out of your car! Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know. I want to know if I can hit this signs. target while I'm moving. Well, I mean, it's like, why don't they shoot a, like a downed log or something, you know, if they're going for target? I don't know. It's, think of the public funds <laughs> going into these signs, man. You think these are just free? <laughs> yes, I do. I think prisoners make them, so I guess they're practically free like in this 12 country. 12 cents an hour. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> One depressing topic to the next. Uh, <laughs> numerous leads, nothing following up. There were even there again. There were so many interviews that so many interviews uh, that were happening, and there was one notable lead that police were questioning a Randolph Jacobitz that was being tried for a rape of a Biddeford woman. The commonalities seemed similar enough that they decided to follow up and see if any questioning like. Yep, opened good. up Randolph, good. but he was not willing to talk about Pamela. Didn't seem like potentially he was connected. It's unclear how like it. I don't have the transcripts. They're not going to release that until like you know yeah. this is done. Um, <clears throat> but that's. But it didn't seem like there was a connection potentially to Randolph. Here, here's but the who thing. Knows? There's a part of me that says, well, maybe he doesn't want to talk because he's guilty. But then there's also another part of me that's like, maybe he doesn't want to talk because he doesn't want to be convicted for something. That maybe he doesn't want to talk because his lawyer said, don't talk, talk. about this. It's just yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, just I don't also, talk. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, again, we don't have transcripts. You, you we don't have any yeah. evidence to review, like, after the fact. So, I don't know. And this so we'll just, so we'll, we'll mark this file as inconclusive. Inconclusive. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe it is the case that Randolph is behind uh, behind this one as well. Uh, but, you know, justice was never ended up found for Pamela. Um, but what is an interesting update is the case did result in a different type of confession. What? Yep. A confession of negligent uh, detective work. <gasps> Officer Haas, who had stated he had found... Pamela's truck at 2.30 a.m. on July 2nd, 1989, then admitted he had falsified his report. What? He had actually first seen the pickup truck pulled over on the side of the road at 11.30 p.m. on July 1st, 1989. He was fired by his police department. The reasoning they gave was that he did not follow correct protocol, falsifying report, and also, uh, the, yeah. the protocol by Maine State Police apparently is if they see a car pulled over on the side of the road, they'll pull over and check up on whoever is there. I don't know if I've seen many cops pull over for people stopped on the side of the road, but interesting that that's the protocol. And uh, Is it still the protocol? I'm not sure. Would be sure. the question. Yeah. But at the time, it was the protocol. I, I... Now. Fuck Haas. 
Fucking harsh, man. No, like, fuck him. Like, he are was, you joking? I'm not joking. Yeah. He, I, like, what? He, I, he said that he was scared to admit to seeing the car earlier because he knew he fucked up by not saying anything. Why didn't he say anything? Because he knew he fucked up. <laughs> no, I'm saying is why didn't he say anything? Why didn't... Why didn't he just admit to seeing the car earlier and not pulling over? I mean, in the long run. Yeah. Would it change anything? Because he still didn't pull over. But here's my thing. If this bitch had pulled over. Yeah. When every fucking second counts. The first 48 hours are the most fucking important. And this fucker. I know it could have just been he was like, I don't want to deal with this. Could have been like, I'm not. No, I don't want to. Dude, this is your. Serve and protect, motherfucker! Alright, so this leads into my question that I wanted to get into and uh, uh, get your opinion of could this um, previous omission, if it came to light, would this have changed anything in the investigation? Now, If they started searching sooner... Yeah, if they started searching sooner. Put out the APB sooner. Get some word out about suspicious activity. Somebody potentially abducted Pamela. And, And also... He's got some time to, this guy has some time to travel. Yeah. We don't know when her car broke down. Exactly. And who's to say that it wasn't at 10 p.m. Well. Or 10.45. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. And it's so frustrating to know that he, that's. Let, sorry. Precious I'm seconds just, wasted. I'm really pissed. Well, here's my here's my beef with this situation. Like, you're, you're rightfully pissed. Um, my beef with this is like, I agree. If he had come upon the scene earlier and scoped it out a little more thoroughly, maybe this whole case would have been different. Maybe would have, would have been able to find the killer. Uh, but what's kind of interesting to me is like when i was reading through this case people were really burying the lead sometime on this because well i was reading a lot of this in chronological order and i was following this in real time like oh they said that this happened at 2 30 i'm following along looking at days going by and they were like oh and then all of a sudden oh he fucked up <laughs> like officer haas admits to it and it's like what I find frustrating, though, is like he said that he came upon the scene at 2.30, investigated, and found nothing. So my theory is Officer Haas's involvement is doomed. You know, it's it's dead on arrival. He's like not adding anything. No. Because he's not thoroughly investigating. No. And yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm just like shaking an invisible man. <laughs> I'm... Just, you're speaking Italian. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... It's just forever and always, the level of police incompetency will astound me. I shouldn't expect anything at this point. But I think... I don't know why, just in this specific instance, that he admits to, I saw it, but I drove by it. Because I didn't feel like it? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. When lives are on the line, you don't want to lead with that. And he should have copped to it <laughs> earlier. Can they file a wrongful death lawsuit against him? They actually tried to. 
Um, yeah, I win. Well, the family. Do I get a piece of candy for that? You do. For uh, guessing what happens next. I'm going to find like, uh, yeah, I'm going to find some piece of candy on the ground for you. Um, the family did sue the officer. Yeah. Um, it didn't go anywhere. Because you can't, you can't prove within a reasonable, like beyond a reasonable doubt that she did die because of his negligence. It, they also said that. Which, Fair. The judge but. basically came down and said, like, it's not illegal for him to not have stopped to review the crime scene. Um, but it is against their protocol, which is why he was fired. So that was the whole so it was, reasoning. There. It was there was justice in that he was fired and not which breaks breaks that protocol. <laughs> you get fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do some other Apparently not as bad shit like, oh, sexual assault or murder. You just go on administrative leave. Yeah, or they move you around like a pope or a cardinal. Sorry, not a pope. <laughs> they only, there's only one. Two, there's only one to, pope. There's actually that. only one pope now. The other pope died recently. Did, Did you know that? There I were two popes, now there's one pope. There's one pope. <laughs> yes, that is correct. But, um, whoop, there it is. Oh, my God. If you've never watched The Keepers. Oh, man. I've never seen it, no. <laughs> it's a documentary on Netflix. It's it's a time. It's about a nun that, well, it's about, yeah, it was, it's about a nun that was murdered. Oh, yeah. Because she was going to take student accusations up the line. Mm. But oop, oopsie daisy, this guy got shuffled around after her murder. It's Pennsylvania. Fuck all of Pennsylvania. Well, there was that whole <laughs> thing in Boston. There was that uh, mm-hmm. scandal. Or uh, I think Doubt's about that. You know, movie Doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think that was about I've actually, that I, I have worked on the, the play. You did? Yes. It's a good one. It w- I actually, I got to see it several times because I was the uh, assistant stage manager. Oh. It's a, brilli- it's a brilliant piece of work in my opinion. I think the movie was absolutely stunning. Uh, I would love to see a, a stage adaptation as well. We did it in a black box. Ooh, yeah, so that's So the fun. audience was really- It's intimate. It, it, super intimate. Okay, continue. I love that kind of We have a lot of segues today and I think it's just because like I'm trying so hard to be okay with this. <laughs> It's fine, you know, we all cope in different ways. And I mean, this is truly awful and there isn't anything satisfying that comes out of it. Like most of what I... And unlike like surely we kind of have an idea of like, it's this guy. Yeah. This is just, it was a fucking rando. We have no idea, no information, no description of the perpetrator. I assume her family is still trying to... The family is... I don't know how hard the police are looking at this point. I don't know. I mean, every once in a while, there are some articles that come out and they'll uh, just go over missing persons cases and just kind of put the call out again to uh, call in. And if you have any information, dear listener, please go ahead and call the Maine State Police or the New Hampshire State Police if you have any information this jogs and, any memories and only if you have pertinent information only if you have pertinent down information down those lines yeah <laughs> don't tell them that you were sent by us because i'll be very angry with you uh <laughs> homegrown horror told me to call <laughs> who what's a homegrown, homegrown horror, horror. <laughs> that's all i got for you buddy like um yeah like the last bit of news is just that family didn't get that ability to sue um you know and i could understand how 
how like they would be seeking any type of justice whatsoever. And it's like, I don't think Officer Haas is, I think Officer Haas is just negligent, negligent in general. I don't think his investigation is meaningful. It's not it's meaningful. Like, the thing that... The, it kicked I, off at 7.30 I, is what it did. Here's my thing. I'm not mad that... You seemed mad. <laughs> no, I am. I'm not saying I'm not mad. I'm saying I'm not mad about... Okay, gotcha. The fact that he didn't do a thorough search and that it, it, it was negligible. What I'm mad about is he saw the truck at 11 fucking p.m., and he could have said, hey, uh, there is an abandoned vehicle on the side of the road. Noted. Could have. Yeah. Yeah. So then at 2.30. He if, could follow up and say, okay, yeah. what's going on? That's fishy. I think that was the reason he pulled over at 2.30, though, was that this is fishy. What's going on? This car is still here. I know, but. But if he pulled over that first time... Again, I don't know what know? The, I get, <sighs> But again, I think he would just breezed over the crime scene and just got back into his car. You're probably right, but also... I, and you can't play the what-if game. Just yeah, like, well, I don't... We, we I don't, don't actually know. Yeah, no. and you also can't... You can't, like I said, you cannot say with, a, with beyond a reasonable doubt that him not stopping or reporting the sighting at 11 p.m. led would have had any impact on her death. Yeah. Because we don't know that. No. But we could be having a different conversation. We could be. There's, again... It's not about the what ifs, but it's what ifs. And also, he just wouldn't have been a shitty person. <laughs> he just falsified a, just, a police. Wow. Just admit that you were like a shitty cop. Just admit that you fucked up. Like, just if he admitted it in the first place, he probably wouldn't have been fired. No, they would. They would have been like dumbass. Follow protocol. Well, you know, but people still would have been mad. They probably still would have filed a wrongful death lawsuit. But then he yeah. would have had. They would have had a wrongful death lawsuit. And he still would have a job. <laughs> now, B, this is a lot of big sad here. We you know what makes us happy? Hey, hey, it's a manism. <laughs> you know what makes me happy, B, is you happy? public transit. I'm talking about today the Seashore Trolley Museum in Kennebunk, po- Kennebunkport, Maine. I like trolleys. I love trolleys too. This is the world's first and largest museum of mass transit vehicles with uh, really? mostly trolley cars, but it also features some rapid transit trains, interurban cars, trolley buses, and motor buses. Did you know there used to be a trolley downtown in Old Orchard Beach? Yeah, like you could see the old tracks in some places. Uh, you could see the old tracks of like, yeah, like even Portland. There's mm-hmm. a couple of like yeah. areas. Now they have trolley buses, which I still highly recommend if you're in Old Orchard. Because the, there's it's a, tr- a very touristy attraction, though. It doesn't feel but practical. It is. It I'll is? tell you why. Oh, okay. At least for me, my grandparents live across the street from a stop. Ah, okay, okay. So, we park at my grandparents' house. Pop on the trolley, get to the beach. Exactly, because it's $2. Oh, nice, okay. 
So it's like and the last trolley, probably cheaper yeah, than the last parking. trolley stops at midnight, mm. which when I was working downtown in Old Orchard Beach, it was just past midnight. We closed and then I got I, I drove home. And I'm like, my grandparents aren't here. That's weird. Because I was still living with my grandparents over, right. over that summer working downtown. Um, and I get a call from my grandmother. And she's like, you're at home, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. Where are you? And she's like, in front of your work. We missed the trolley. Can you come pick us and our, and our friends up? <laughs> so I had a Volvo station wagon at the time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and so I drive around, I pick them up. There's one of their friends got in the front, three are in the back, and then my grandparents are like, oh, I don't have enough room. My grandparents get in the trunk. <laughs> and I'm like, I hadn't had my license very long. I'm 16. It's a clown car full of seniors. Yeah, yes. And I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> you what drive. What do I do? And my grandfather was just sort of, my grandfather's a locksmith. He just say, Murphy's locksmith is in the back of your truck and they'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and it wasn't very far. But yeah, um, my grandparents encouraged me to put them in the trunk. They're like, it's fine, honey. Just put like, us in the worry. trunk. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go. It's okay. That was the most bizarre thing I'd experienced in my life up until that point. You ever rode around in a trunk? No. It's kind of fun. I've driven in the bed of a truck. And, oh, like a pickup truck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I we remember. We used to love that as kids. It terrified me, honestly. I remember doing a stereotypical farm thing also where, like, I'd go jump into a back of a pickup truck and go to someone's house and do landscaping. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh yeah, it's down the street, so whatever. But yeah, so the trolley runs till uh, midnight, which is nice, but it is a touristy thing. It can get packed on fireworks nights. But... Oh, I'd imagine, yeah. I think yeah. it would probably be impossible to use the trolley. Yeah. So, just like, yeah, but... this one's full, this one's full. <laughs> but it's better than trying to drive out of there or find parking. This place is pretty cool, man. So the seashore trolley. Hold on, let me get you some pictures. Pic- let me get some pictures. You some so you can cheeky peekies. Go visit. Oh. Let's see. Get this overview. It's like a stretch of road. Oh, see, it's a it's very outdoorsy, kind of like a well. I guess where else are you gonna put a bunch of trains? Probably outside. Not gonna build a warehouse for them. That seems way wasteful. Bus I like. Exhibits. I actually do like that they're outside. Yeah, I do because too. Because I think I think you're right. I think it's not a waste of a building. <laughs> exactly. You can kind of see like a huge. They have these things called car barns, where it just looks like it's in the back there. It's just car full barn. of different trolleys and stuff. This is so Buses. cool. I like this. I want to do. I think this I is. Go. This is very niche. I think this uh, is really appealing to probably like. Uh, children 10 uh, between the ages of 7 and 10 and also transit nerds do, 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 do. <laughs> people yeah kids are really into thomas the tank i had a my, oh, i mean i remember when my nephew was obsessed with trains that <laughs> he on his birthday was taken on like a little um steam train ride yeah. it was just like up and down a track yeah um but he just loved it, apparently, and he was talking about it for probably months. But yeah, it was the highlight of his, uh, what was that, eighth birthday? Aww. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if they come to visit again, take them to the trolley museum. Is he yeah. still into, wait, 
How old is he now and is he still into drag? I think he's... I think he's 12 now. So he's out of the train phase is what you're telling me. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Like, Just uh, message your brother and be like, hey, does he still like trains? Also, it's terrifying knowing that he's 12. Like, I've seen him grow up and he has, like, actual conversations with me now and I, I'm i kind of freaked out by that. It's freak. Yeah, our <laughs> is going to be six this year and I'm like... No. Oh my god, you're six? An, I'm like, you're an infant. I think she's gonna awaken her consciousness at this age. Oh, she, I think she has already. <laughs> I perceive now. <laughs> yeah, she perceives. Check out the Seashore Trolley Museum if you got a little tyke or transit nerd that loves their choo-choos. Choo-choo! <laughs> um, yeah, bit of a bummer of an episode. Um, and it did have a lot of similarities to the last one that I was hosting. Uh, not intentional at all, honestly, but I do think it's interesting that looking through the unsolved homicide list, it's a long list of missing women is something that I'm realizing. There are a lot of men on there too, but it feels like there's a lot of, yeah, feels like I see a lot of women on there. Um, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. The time, the 89 and like the eighties just did not seem a good time to, no. Be in some a lot of these areas out here. I no, realize. and that's really interesting. It is interesting because I think one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast too is because I think people have this misconception that crime doesn't happen here. Oh no. Well we we a lot of variety of crime happens, happens around here. here. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean We've talked about drug busts. Um, we've talked about... The Al Brady gang shootout. Yeah. Which is like, you know, old-timey gangsters are not really, you know, uh, a, much of a concern anymore. But... You know, now we have, you know, we've had, like, historic riots. We've had... Um... <sighs> a lot of murders. A lot of murders. A lot of missing people. Mm-hmm. Cannibalism. Yeah. Shipwrecks. <laughs> Lots of... Maine's Lots got a um, very interesting thing. Well, I don't think necessarily people don't think of Maine as like a place where nothing bad ever happens, but I think a kind of alternative to that. I think a lot of people are kind of don't like to visit here uh, because a, they're they're nervous about no, the so, woods. <laughs> this is actually a great time. I this is the end of the episode. I'm gonna tell a story. Okay. If you're still listening, thank you for listening. Um, so. When we lived out in dead of nowhere Buxton, yeah, yeah, we used to get shit on by the woman who would come and clean Allegra's parents' house because we would lock the door. Really? Okay. She would shit on us. She'd be like, "Nothing's gonna happen." Nah, nah, nah. Well, one night, Allegra's dad comes upstairs. And is like, hey, did you guys invite someone over? And we're like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's 3 a.m. He's like, what the fuck are you? And we're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, okay, you need to call the cops. Wow, that's hilarious. So there was a guy. You need to call the cops. You call no, the cops. No, because he went back downstairs okay, okay. to like kind of. No, it was like, it was more like 6 a.m., not 3 a.m. But anyway. Yeah. Um. So there was a guy. So they they had a they, their refrigerator is the fridge on top, the freezer on the bottom. Both the fridge and the freezer were open. This guy, there was a guy asleep <laughs> in front of the freezer. Yeah. He had pulled out stuff to start making a sandwich, but he also pulled out every single silverware drawer. They were all over the floor. He threw the Christmas cactus down and there was blood all over the walls. Holy shit. So we call the cops, they come. Um 
Come to find out, he's also wearing Allegra's camel coat. <laughs> and let me tell you, we went down, we, when we came downstairs to give our statements to the cops, like, he, you could smell him. Like, he from, smelled like the bottom could, of the bar. Because we were in, like, the other room, yeah. and we could fucking smell this guy. But the other thing was, the reason he was bleeding was, he broke into the door... Like, he broke the, 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 the door off the handle, which is insane because gotcha. it was a heavy wooden door. And then they had a mudroom. He pulled all the coats off the walls of the mudroom, fell through the window at the end of the hallway. What the fuck? And then came, I'll show you pictures. It was totally fucking bonkers. And I will tell you, when Allegra's dad had to call the lady that cleans their house and was like, Hey, we really need you to come clean up because someone broke in. I had the biggest shit-eating grin on my face because nothing bad will happen. <laughs> no, like I don't understand why you locked the door. Nothing's gonna. Yeah, this guy actually walked through a blizzard to get up here. Damn, dude. Wild. He wrecked a lot of stuff. The other thing was really Came funny. Came in like a wrecking as ball. We, really, as we were trying to clean up, so we were like, this guy hates plants because we also found a bunch of frozen chicken in one of the other plants. <laughs> I've always wanted to tell this story on the podcast. I hope people did listen because it, this was like a very formative moment. And I wasn't... I wasn't really scared after a certain point if like because Allegra's mom had gone down to Florida if Allegra's dad because he usually fought her mom flies her dad would drive down if we had been alone would have been way scarier but her dad happened to be there and yeah he knew something was wrong because he tried to get into the kitchen and Allegra's backpack was thrown against the door Uh uh-huh and he was like weird yeah, she wouldn't do that. So when he went in, he saw this chaos. It was chaos. Like I like how he is first assumed that you invited him over. Yeah, well, the other thing is when the cops were talking to him, he was like, yeah, this is my friend's house. I'm allowed to be here. I'm allowed I'm to allowed be here. I'm allowed to be here. And they're like, is this what you do to your friend's house? Yeah, what the fuck, buddy? Like. Seriously. My guy. Shitty friend. Yep. I'm allowed so, to be here and fuck up his so, door. Uh, this is, this is. My, when I say that people don't think bad things happen here, they don't. Because there are still some people in the year of our Lord 2023 that don't lock their fucking doors here in Maine. And I think that's bonkers. It is a bit bonkers. Lock your doors. Uh, lock your cars. Some lady will try to get in, into your car while you're sitting next to the bank. <laughs> uh, Everybody yeah. take care. Take care. <laughs> take care. It's weird out there, man. Bye. 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 Thank <laughs> you.